KVBO Radio's back. That's my terrible impression of a Hornet. The Hornets have won the title. Dan gets a ring. It took half the league to convince him to trade for Chowski, but the deal gets done and the Hornets have a title. Good job by Dan. Dan's first ring. Dan did what Smath could not. He got Chowski a ring. Yeah! Good job by Dan. Well, the Hornets did what they thought, what a lot of people thought they would, is once they made the Chowski deal, that that would put them over the edge and get them a ring. And oh, it sure did. Good job by Dan and the Hornets. The Hornets took down the Warriors in six games, I believe, in the finals. The Hornets beat the Pacers in the Landros Conference Finals. And the Warriors took down the Sonics. We'll give you a little bit of a breakdown in, in a minute. Thanks to SCDN for giving me the full breakdown of the playoffs. Um, I spent the entirety of yesterday, of all, of, all, of all things, the one season that we give you like a dozen podcasts. And yesterday, and I think it's really just because it was a daytime sim. If it's a nighttime sim, it's mood. I can, I can talk. It was, as the day went on, it was fine. But during the day... I thought it was going to have to work a little bit, didn't have to work, so I ended up with the kids, and somehow we ended up with a kitten. So yeah, the majority of my day was running around trying to figure out what to do with the kids, and then we end up with a fucking kitten. So uh, yeah, awesome. Thunder Kitten! Should name him Thunder Kitten, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, so anyways, uh, couldn't do a live podcast, and that would have been fantastic, considering what uh, what ended up transpiring during the KVB Bell playoffs. It was pretty fun, wasn't it? The first series was incredible. We had six game sevens. Eight playoff series. Six of them went seven. One went six and one went five. Awesome. Now, it, it is just a perfect culmination of events, as we talked about before, with this season and how awesome it was, the return of the pod and all this content. And the KVBL couldn't be better right now. Um, it, it, it could also be thanks to the fact that you have some really good GMs rebuilding. So if you have four or five good GMs rebuilding, and namely that would be, you know, like this is Drizzy's, Drizzy's kind of last hurrah with the Lions. Smath went into a rebuild. Pseudo, you know, Bubbles was kind of just still kind of not quite sure what he was going to do. Uh, MX was a tanking and... Is that all four? MX, Math, Drizzy, and Bubbles? Yeah. But when you have those four guys not having elite teams, so I guess the Lions did, and some other GMs, you know, kind of figuring some stuff out, it, it creates, you know, it creates a good dynamic where you have some upstarts here wanting to make some noise, and it opened the door for the Hornets. Now, to focus more on the Hornets, the Hornets obviously came into the season with the core four and Stales. That was the big one. Doyle, Lasecki, Falwell, and, of course, he made the trade for Wentz. A lot of people questioned the trade for Wentz in the sense that he traded Zampa. But I think he also understood that Zampa was a really weird fit because he lacked the rebounding. He really wasn't a big. He's pretty much you know, similar to Wagstaff. They're kind of like small forwards. You know, Wagstaff's power forward, but Zampa's weird because he's power forward center. Like, yeah, he's a fun mismatch at center, but it's like the guy really can't really rebound. But, you know, if Dan wants to go the route of building a team in the more normal way. Wentz was a huge addition to that team. Really solid, you know, ground-based defender there to round out that rotation and the core. Falwell had kind of started to make the leap 
especially in the playoffs. If you look at the ratings, I mean, obviously he's not great defensively, but he's putting up, you know, huge numbers offensively, and especially he did last season in the playoffs. So people were like, look out for this team next year. You know, Doyle was the one guy that he oddly wasn't married to, and I think it's because he wasn't necessarily crazy about the fact that he lacked a little bit of passing and he was more of a, of a shooter. But, I mean, there's no secret now. The Hornets won a title. So, and, and, and obviously at the beginning of the year, there was some discussion of the Heat, the Thunder, and the Hornets trying to work out a deal, and ultimately he just wanted a little bit too much. Uh, this math did for, for either Chowski or... Bailey. Now, I'm not 100% sure. I'm sure we'll end up talking about it afterwards, and I could ask in chat, but you know what? I'm already driving. We're going to get this content out, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure if there was ever a Nets pick for Chowski deal available, you know, without it being more. Um, I feel like it ended up being Bailey, but I don't know if Dan would have... And I think at the beginning, Dan didn't want Chow because he didn't want the contract. I really don't think it was ever truly discussed. So... You know, is this a is this a league title? Is this like a club title here? Do we take part in this? Is it just, you know, a dozen people pushing Dan to to making that final move, which was kind of, you know, I, I'm not sure. Now, again, I probably was slightly biased in this because I was trying to get Doyle out of it. And if he doesn't want Chow, we can't necessarily work the three-way because, again, it would have ended up being with, I probably would have ended up with Doyle. He wouldn't end up with Chow or Bailey. And then... Um, Smath ends up with Pan. And you know what? I want to say Ricky of all people talked him out of Doyle. I'm sure there were other people involved, but I think Ricky of all people talked to him about the value of Doyle. And probably Ricky probably talked him out of, out of Chow. I bet that even happened. So there were a lot of factors, I think, played into why Chow didn't initially get dealt from the Heat to the Hornets. And if we talk about Doyle, this is what I like about Doyle. And I don't know if he necessarily did it, but Doyle's a guy I think could be a little bit of a mismatch. He's got some post offense, which I think could be beneficial. He's super low foul. He's got some steals. He's seen, you know, he doesn't necessarily shoot threes, but he's a guy that, you know, when Ricky's out there talking about, yeah, there's not a lot of good offensive point guards nowadays. Well, there you go. Doyle's the one. And he might not have some passing, but if your team's efficient enough already, I don't know if it matters. So Doyle was like pretty elite point guard, I think, for what for everything that he does. Um, not, you know, probably if, if everyone's married to the idea of having a guy like Elio, who's low usage, can defend and pass a little bit more, you know, like there are guys like that. I mean, he added a guy like Graves, you know, eventually, who is a, a really nice bench piece for him. And I think he probably added a bench big, too, that rounded out the rotation. He, he ended up getting marks for me, but didn't necessarily play much. But but I mean, it's all in all, I think it, you know, did it take a little bit of convincing to, to do this. I mean, whatever, you know, it's like, you know, maybe Dan learned a teeny bit. Maybe these were the moves that Dan was already going to do. You know, we talked about the podcast, move that Nets pick and try to get the best piece you can. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Hornets are the title. He made those moves. And the key is that he held out. So however much people were telling him to do this or do or, or not do this, you know what? He held out because the value seemed like it was going to be Nets pick plus Lasecki to get said player, whether it be Chow or Bailey. And he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to give both guys. And that was huge because we'd even talked about maybe Lisecki's the guy that he needs to deal instead of Doyle. Lisecki went off in the playoffs, scored 20 points per game, shot like 46% from three, had an awesome playoffs. And he got some nice boosts here in the offseason. 
He really liked Lasecki as being one of his core players, and he's held on to that. You know, so for however much people want to say that they told him so or, you know, helped him make that move, you know what? He did what was best for his team. He got it done. And, you know, and we, we talked about it. How awesome, and then this is like how we joke about the regular season and some things don't matter. I mean, look at this regular season. We always talk about fucking around during a couple Sims and doing weird stuff, but look how it panned out. This regular season was ridiculous. You could look at so many, a dozen games or more for each team about how things could go either way. And the fact that the Hornets get the one seed out of the Landros and what happened was because the Pacers didn't give a shit about the regular season, the Pacers ended up mailing it in and getting the sixth seed. And because they, the Hornets just beat out the Lions it ended, and the Celtics, neither one, they ended up avoiding all three of those teams in the sense that the Lions and the Celtics were two and three and the Pacers were six, meaning that the Hornets wouldn't have to face them until the conference finals and they would only have to face one. They didn't have to face two. Whereas you're the Pacers, the Pacers survived a Celtics series where they could have easily lost in round one and then they beat the Lions in round two and, and battled... With the, with the Hornets in round three. Give Creasy some credit because honestly, I thought that team looked like shit. I still don't like the Bannerman move. I mean, at the end of the day, if we want to talk about, you know, that's one of my phrases that I always say, but hey, at the end of the day, the Pacers could have still not extended Bannerman. They could have probably ended up with the same lineup. Right now, they'd have max cap space and they could take the big swing in air. They didn't win a title. They did not win the title. And then when everyone talks about title or bust, the Pacers did not win. The Pacers didn't win, and they could be in a position right now to take a huge swing and go after air. But they can't because they wanted to sign Bannerman. So you know what? The Pacers are going to be in a very similar situation next year where they're going to have to grind it out. Maybe they get there, maybe they don't. But they could have done both, in my opinion. They could have gotten both done. They could have made a really nice run and also been in the position to now... um, pay Bannerman in free agency if they couldn't get air. But you know what? He, he did, you know, he kind of, I don't want to say screwed himself on both sides, but just simply extending the both guy, the one guy takes that away from now having, you know, it's like his backup plan. Didn't have it. So the Pacers, yes, they went to the Landros conference finals, but the Bucks did the season before. So who cares? Didn't win a title. Failed season, right? Not so fast because he knows that he's close. So maybe he can get it done. But we're still not done with the Hornets. Because now, the Hornets have Chow. We see Chow is the guy that puts him over. And there's still going to be some people out there, like Kyle, Ricky, who are going to be somewhat critical of Chow. And look, Chow didn't go crazy in the playoffs. He shot about, like, what, 40 42%. Shot, like, 30% from three. But you know what? He gives him some rebounding. He gives him the defense. The point is, he was an upgrade over Stales. I mean, come on. The Hornets were already really good. Now, Ricky had him penciled in at number one, and I forget if he was penciled in at number one with the caveat that he needed to make the deal, so he figured by the end of the season the Hornets would be there. He got it right no matter what. But it's like the Golden State Warriors in the NBA. Upgrading Harrison Barnes to Kevin Durant kind of makes a deal. It matters. Now, obviously, Kevin Durant is who he is, but you know, in the KVBL, like Stales was fine for that team. And Chow might not be what he used to be, I think there's people out there who clearly like Chow more than obviously Dan does. But it didn't take a massive impact by Chow. And look, it's not like the Hornets went out there and never lost. 
Um, they obviously were still threatened in some of these playoff series. And, and we don't know what would have happened if they ended up facing the Kings, potentially. But the point is, Chow was an upgrade over Stales. So we can argue all day, all day, on how much better he is. Who are the better, who's the, you know, what's he ranked on that team? I think you say Falwell's the best. I think you could argue whether or not he's number two. But, I mean, it's like, for the playoffs, it looked like Lisecki went off. You know, Wentz does his thing. The point is, the pieces all fit. You know, how valuable is Doyle? The fact that Doyle's low foul and can put up that offense and play defense, that matters. And the the only other situation we'd be looking at is who does he, you know, if, if he doesn't trade the Nets pick for Chow, he ends up trading the Nets pick potentially for somebody else. Or does he potentially make this playoff run with Stales? We don't know. But it took Chow not getting dealt from the Heat. But Chow gets dealt. So if you look at how the pieces break down, because we talked about winners and losers and whatnot. Chow gets dealt to the Heat. and it, Oh, sorry, but we, we, we talked about, yeah, the, the, how the regular season plays out. The fact that he survived all that. I mean, like, what, what, one or two games dictated the way the playoffs shook up for that for that conference with the two and the three and the six? And then you also look at the, the, the way the Maynard played out. I mean, all the teams that won, like, what, six or seven teams in the league won 42 games? And then we had the Hawks slide out by one game. Not even. It was a tie. The Hawks slid out by a tiebreaker and end up giving Kyle the first pick. Literally one to two games dictated an entirety of what happened for this season. It's incredible. And if you just look at these, some of the games that people win or lose, the Bucks, The Bucks beat the Hawks in the last sim. The Hawks second to last game. So Bubbles and BJ... For all the times we talk about them giving each other deals, the Hawks get Mario from the Bucks. The Bucks beat the Hawks. The Hawks miss the playoffs and give Kyle the number one pick. I mean, this is incredible karma. Incredible. Dan doesn't get Chowski from Smath. Smath trades Chowski to the Bulls for the Sonics 39. The Sonics make the playoffs. That pick is now what? Number 11? The sun, now the, the the Heat now have the Bulls forty one, but now let's look at the let's look at the Landros. The Bucks are now in a rebuild mode. The Lions are in rebuild mode. The Lakers, if they completely whiff, what are the Lakers going to do? The Lakers have their picks moving forward again. Are the Lakers going to sign guys to stupid one or two year deals and try to make the playoffs? That's kind of what he did before, but I feel like he didn't have his pick when that happened. Now that the Lakers have their picks, the most thing that what makes the most sense is that they go after the top end free agents. Without looking at it right now, you're thinking Air, you're thinking Vincent, or I'm sorry, you're thinking um, Vincent. Yeah, um, God, the whatever the Cyrus, uh, Air, Cyrus, whatever the freaking guy is that the Lions have. And, uh, and Miles Evans, man, what was that? Like, was that a 47 point game? Was that a 50 point game? We'll get to that one. Holy shit. Miles Evans went off in the playoffs and this guy, this guy's going to get paid. Motherfucker's going to get paid after that playoff performance. Damn. I think I like gave him away because I was trying to clear cap for all this fake cap. I could have had Miles Evans. Wow. Did he work out for the, for the Sonics? And the Sonics pull a freaking Bucks, get themselves all the way to the Maynard Conference Finals. Incredible run by Omer. But again, going back to Smath, 
you know, the, the what I was trying to get at is that, you know, we don't know what the Lakers are going to be. The Bucks don't want to make the playoffs. The Lions are in rebuild mode now. The, the Landros is going to be terrible pretty quickly. You're going to have the top teams. It's going to be the Hornets. It's going to be the Celtics. It's going to be the Pacers and the Sixers and the Nuggets. So you're going to have, what, that's five teams because the Lions are sliding out? I mean, is that it? That's kind of it, right? Five teams, are there three spots now open? I don't even know who I'm forgetting. Again, driving is making it kind of difficult. But the amount of teams now trying in the Landros has completely fallen off. You know, with the Bucks falling out, the Lakers most likely falling out, and the Lions now falling out. Oh, the Raptors, right. The Raptors would be trying. So that would be, what, six teams? Six teams that are technically trying. What happens with the other two? The Grizzlies don't want to try. The Rockets don't want to try. KJ doesn't have his pick now. The Bulls are probably going to make the playoffs. Andre traded Chow for the Nets 40 and the Bulls 40. I probably even, we talked about the value. We are killing people for some of these deals. And then people go out and do crazy stuff like Jay. We should have seen this coming. He did it last time. Look at how all of these things impact each other. We talked about the triumvirate the triangle who all owned each other's picks and what are they doing they're all doing weird shit because of it people are doing stuff they shouldn't be doing jay goes into a rebuild a few seasons ago says i see how people do it i see how empus x does it i see how smack does it you got to be bad you got to be bad for four or five seasons but you know what if you have a chance to get chow this was when chow was his prime you do it and then you make a run you can make it happen oh can you Look at the fucking Raptors. Lou, arguably the best young piece in the league right now. And the Raptors are a mess. A total mess. They got swept in five. Lou went ham. And Marsh, our boy Marsh. We talked about Marsh last season. Talk about the amount of shit people talk in chat. Now look, I I know I said Market was the number one free agent last year. Obviously not. They didn't even make the playoffs. But Marsh, Mr. Like, he got like, what, a four or five year max deal from the Raptors? Oh, Marsh is fine. Yeah, he's fine if you want to use up your cap. He couldn't, he put up 27 minutes a game and and five fouls. Even Archie had 35 minutes per game in this playoffs. And the Suns won a playoff series. The Raptors are just filling their roster with slots. If the Raptors would have just kept Lou and Vialba and said, we are going to stay the course, it works. But guess what? Like, I guess Chow was in his prime, and the point is Lou, like, isn't elite defensively yet. But no, you cannot. You cannot just win a championship by having one guy. And you want to know why? Because, again, I think we talked about it last time, quickly, is you have to have elite. You have to have more than one guy now. There's so many teams that have at least one piece. Now you look at the freaking Hornets. The Hornets have an awesome five-man rotation. Like, you think just getting Bailey is going to give you a title now? Now, what did the Nets do? The Nets jumped out of the rebuild before, and they made this weird-ass trade for Parsons with the Knicks. They end up not making the playoffs and give the Knicks a, Knicks a lotto pick. And then they rape Andre to get their stuff back. They flip-flop shit. Now people are giving Andre crap for, for taking Parsons back. Parsons took the PD hit. The Parsons got the PD back now. What the hell's going on? The Nets look like a complete mess. And then they're accumulating a lot of young talent. And instead of staying the course again, because we want to just 
in hindsight, look at look back and and look at how terrible these chow trades are going to end up being for everybody. At the end of the day, Dan is the biggest winner because nobody got Lasecki. That's what happened. Nobody made him give up Lasecki. And of all people, I want to say Ricky said something about Andre almost got Dan almost Andre almost got Lasecki and and the and the Nets pick and that I don't know what Ricky was involvement in that. But Ricky like hurts his friend by not getting by not helping him get Lasecki from Dan and is legitimately giving out good advice to everybody here. Now at the end of the day Ricky's always going to do what helps Ricky. Don't doubt that. He ended up getting what? Some couple pieces. Now obviously yeah, the Hornets 41 is going to look like trash now. He got a couple pieces from Andre to to shed him a contract. Gets him Patton, which obviously Patton kind of helped him out towards his end of his run. Yeah, screws me in the process, motherfucker. Getting Patton for a cap space that Andre ended up not even having, but Andre keeps White. White gives him gets him a playoff victory. I mean, look, everybody wins here. Everybody wins. But when we talk about Ricky not helping people, Ricky being part of the club. If Ricky helped Dan keep Lasecki at all in that deal, I mean, that's huge. Because again, Lasecki is the known asset. People always want to talk about dart throws and picks, and I know I do the same thing. I do the same thing about valuing picks and dart throws and whatnot. But I know, and this is where we, we kind of did talk about it with, with Smath and the Heat, is that I like known commodities. Like I when I got the deal for Beaumont back in the day, and I got Lasecki. Like when you start throwing around random picks, you don't really know what things are going to be. And I just knew Lasecki was a known asset commodity. People like said player. And we talk about picks. You just never know what picks are going to be. They could always be good. Um, they could eventually be bad. And here we're looking at a path where Dan is the biggest winner by far because he keeps Lasecki and that Nets pick. Just look at how it trans it it, it fluctuates in value. Now, Andre ends up getting the Nets pick and the Bulls pick. The Nets pick now looks like complete shit because as things would have it, it looks like the Nets already obviously already have Bailey and it looks like they're adding Silva. Why? I mean, he's doing it again. Now, if you want to look at what happened last season, you'd look at it. Well, I mean, the Kings still haven't even talked about this yet. The Kings didn't even make the finals. The Kings didn't even make it out of the first round. So if you're the Nets and people want to talk crap about Jay, he's not missing the playoffs. Okay, the Heat's roster wasn't terrible, but the Heat were a, a plus 500 team with Bailey and Meatheads. Like Ricky's talking shit about Patterson in that contract not being good. Well, okay, are you going to, you, you said the Heat were okay. Patterson was on that team. Khan was on that team. He had Bernard for a, a good portion of the year. He was starting a random Tidwell guy at center. And you want to tell me right now that Bailey plus Silva plus shitheads wouldn't be playoffs? Those two guys, like, we're forgetting how good Silva is. Now, I really hope these guys don't retire or anything happens to Jay. Jay still has AGS. He was fine. Jay literally had no power forward to center the whole season. He's got AGS. He's got Tom, I guess, as his point guard. A low slash no usage guy at point. It's going to be great. He can let AGS score. He can let Silva score. He can let Bailey score. And then he's still got the fourth pick in this draft. Gets best player available for whatever he wants to do moving forward. Like, that's a playoff team. It's, in my opinion, it's a playoff lock. Now, 
Why is he doing this? Does it make any sense? And the argument is probably, well, no. But the KVBL is a game. If we're going to give Ricky shit, like, the Nets are better than the Blazers. I mean, totally. The point is he has he's going to have the number four pick in the draft in AGS, and then I guess Tom. So he's still got, like, this weird mat- match. He's got this weird match of young talent now. He's going to have young talent mixed with older veterans. Like, are they a title team? Are they kind of what the Suns were doing where they're mixing the both? Are they right there? I mean, like, no, but they're frisky. They're going to be fun. And if Jay just wants to have fun, because Jay is very active and always around, uh, at least lately, we joke about Jaycation. But, you know, since he's been doing this the last handful of seasons, he's been kind of coming in and out of it. I don't think Jay wants to be committed to being bad for five seasons. Look at what happened this year. And then you hope for progressions. I don't think Jay wants to do that. So Jay figured, you know what? Let me take advantage of, of a lower Bailey market, although maybe he did overpay. I don't even know. I'd have to look at what the pick's potential value is. And then Silva, he's giving up his young players who only time will tell what they end up being. You know, he trades Wheeler and Kalu and I think a future pick. Um, and again, what, what will happen if Silva and or Bailey walk slash retire? It's not like Bailey's old. Like these guys are going to be around. Um, Bailey would be. But like Jay, you know what? Jay's going to have fun next year. Like, he has a path, like, if Pascal, I think, got a little bit worse for the Warriors. So, I mean, there's a path there for the Nets to be better. Could they be the two seed? Like, they're definitely better than the Blazers. So if we're going to give Jay crap, you have to give Ricky crap. But the point is, Ricky never wants to rebuild. He says it's boring. You know, again, we joke about Kyle. Kyle was miserable last season. We know it. Now Kyle's having a lot of fun. But you know what? Jay's going to have a lot of fun now. The KVBL is way more fun with people being impatient and not wanting to stay the course and doing these crazy things. The Thunder did a similar thing. And yeah, breaking news, the Thunder are going to be crazy next season. The Thunder have added Beaumont. Beaumont is going to play center for the Thunder. Pang got crazy progressions at point guard. Satan, crazy progressions at shooting guard. Rafi, better. Wags, better. And now they're going to plug in Bo at center? Holy shit, that team is just going to try to run people out of the building. Who cares about defense? Slow us down. And the Thunder end up making that deal because they end up getting Grzecki. We'll call him Lucas Grzecki in the deal from the Kings that got the Kings Rugens. And... I mean, that that ultimately looks like somewhat of a rape trade because Grzecki gets like crazy-ass progressions this offseason, which increases his value, which helps him be involved in a deal for Bo. I mean, it's crazy. But it helps to get that done, and now the Kings are kind of in a spot where they probably would have wanted Bo. And maybe the, the Thunder just beat him to it. I mean, crazy times. But anyways, we know we're talking about the Nets and it all this all resulting value. So now we look at the fact that that Nets picks out the window for Chow and the Bulls just by default. Now the Bulls might just be a random playoff team with a sub 500 record. That has happened. I want to say it was the it was the Landros and maybe it was the Maynard, but the Landros we saw it were like two teams made the playoffs sub 500 pretty recently because people weren't necessarily trying to win and the Bulls are going to fall into that I think category where the Bulls are going to try to maneuver some stuff. 
And I think they're going to try to be frisky. And the Bulls are going to try to be frisky enough to get themselves in the playoffs because now they don't have their picks. The Bulls did weird stuff, but you know what? That's the point of what KJ does. KJ does weird stuff. He doesn't necessarily stay the course. Um, KJ, of course, enables all of this. Is that because KJ makes that deal to add Chow and Smath goes a little bit off character and doesn't want the known asset is KJ ends up with Chow and we joked about him moving Chow. I didn't think he wanted to, but we joked about it. That if Smath can't get the done with Dan, why can't the Bulls? But the Bulls still didn't do it. The Bulls ended up taking a theoretically worse value trade than Andre got. And maybe it was because the Bulls knew that they couldn't just do picks. The Bulls didn't want to do that. They wanted players. So the Bulls wanted Lasecki. And the Bulls end up... I mean... Look in hindsight right here. If the Bulls make the playoffs, this is literally what Kyle was talking about. The Nets pick went to shit pretty quick. And now Vincent, who didn't really get a ton of boost, but he got some defensive boost. The Vincent pick, like Vincent now ends up on the Bulls. Is Vincent going to be better than what the Net, the Knicks get now? It's possible. And now the Knicks trade their 41. And now it puts them in like no man's land where now the Knicks want to win. Okay, that's fine, but how crazy is it going to be when the Nets are better than the Knicks now? What's going on? Oh, I love the KBL, man. It's This has been the best season. I think this has been one of the best seasons in a long time. So I don't know if it just coincides with, with the podcast, again, because you had so many teams that were now on the upswing that hadn't been there in a while, and good teams now on the outside looking in, and so many, like, so many, like, or would we have, like, what, RWE rebuilded? I mean, was everybody active this year? Everybody was active. And then the offseason progression, some guys got. Sixers are going to be awesome. The Nuggets look like they're going to be better. Um, the Hornets are still going to be there. The Kings, since they got progressions, actually look better. We didn't, we didn't even talk about that. We didn't, we didn't even, God, we got to recap the playoffs. Okay, Hornets, congrats. Dan, bzz, title, first title. Dan gives once again, Chow, the title that Smath could not. And it's just as simple as Dan had the surrounding pieces. Smath did not have the ability to put the pieces together at the right time to be able to get that done. And clearly, look at that Hornets roster. That Hornets roster is better than, way better than anything Smath had. I'm pretty sure. So, he gets it done. But we're already what? Man, I haven't even looked yet. We're 30 minutes into this podcast, and we haven't even talked about what happened to the Kings. So we talked about the first round. We had six game sevens in the first round. Six of them. Holy shit. Six game sevens. And the biggest Sonics, Marco Ferrer. Ferrer. I got to just call him Ferrer. It's probably Ferrar. Marco Polo, the Sonics go out. And I don't get it, man. People just don't slow Joe down, right? They don't. And I had to look at the box scores. I spent a little bit of time looking at the box scores in that matchup specifically to see what in the fuck happened. Omer is now, Omer's now become the new Bubbles. Seriously. I had long, I had long seen Bubbles as one of the few GMs who seems like he can do the most with the least. But Omer, especially with Marco, has proven that, man, 
the impact that Marco has had since he's had him is, again, making playoffs. And, I mean, look again. Insane. The Sonics were a tiebreaker away from missing the playoffs. So, Dan can thank Bubbles. If the Hawks make the playoffs, they get boat raced by the Kings. No chance. No chance against the Kings. But because the Sonics make the playoffs by virtue of a tiebreaker, they knock the Kings out in the first round. Insanity. How did the Sonics do it? I went back and looked, and I'm pretty sure that the Kings still went off and got theirs. Now, we know that Prince was down. Merlin Prince was their point guard, and he had been fine the last couple seasons. They got a title with him. He had shot like 45 46%. He's good, good passer, um, but not like a great spot on that team. Well, Prince goes down and forces Rugens in. I don't know who his backup was. Um, and, I, I, you know, I thought, hey, the, th- the big three would eat. The big three would eat. I, I didn't see a way where this team would still lose. And, you know, did he need just a little bit more offense? I'm not sure. But when you look at the box scores, here's what, what, what caught me. And I, and I don't know because I don't think we had seen this before from the Kings. I mean, again, the series went seven games. But it looked like in, aside from game seven, which was kind of odd, and we'll get to that specific box score in a moment. But in all the games that Omer won, like Jode, Jode went off. Jode went off. Like, Omer started Naganaw at one point. I mean, I'm assuming he had Shannon in there for defense. Um, And I don't know whether he played Marco at the two or the three. I guess that's a good question. Did Marco play on Divine or did Marco play on Trog? And you might just look at it as you weren't going to slow down Joe. Joe went off in that series, actually. Joe went crazy. And I want to say Divine did, too. Divine actually had a little bit of foul trouble in that series, it looks like, by looking at his minutes. And I want to say, if you look at it as maybe he shut down Trog, maybe that was the idea. Maybe you look at it as, I can't shut down Jode. I'm not sure about Divine. Let me shut down Trog. Maybe that was it. But I did notice that it seemed like they didn't shoot as good from three-point. So it looked like Sonics took away the three-point ball a little bit. And in the games that they won, they got them in a lot of foul trouble. The Kings somehow were in a lot of foul trouble in the games they lost. It might have just been a perfect storm. Because we also looked at, well, who did the, 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 you know, now, how exactly did the Sonics use Miles Evans? Miles Evans went apeshit in that series. I think he had like a 47 or 50 point game in game seven to win them that series. Holy moly. Miles Evans going to get paid. But damn. Damn, they went off. And the Sonics upset the Kings, one of the biggest upsets we've seen. One of the biggest upsets we've seen in a long time. I mean, again, my recent memory seems to have failed me right now, but I remember there was one time in an older version where good old Vucato or Vuchado had the Timberwolves and they had Maynard and they took out a top team when they, as in, I think it was they took out Arrow and the Sixers. But this was the best team in the league. They had a 13-game cushion. They won like, what, 67 games in the regular season. And they lost to the Sonics, a team that made the playoffs by virtue of a tiebreaker, a 500 team. Marco Polo is that elite, folks, and he got better. Now, if I'm looking at cap space, I feel like I'm not looking at it. But from what I remember is that Omer tried to keep the cap space intact where he could take a swing at air. And I'm assuming he would have to theoretically relinquish his bird rights on Evans 
but he can most likely still try to max Evans, and he could bring back a similar team. I mean, the fact that he's going to be able to bring – he, I mean, he had a weird-ass team last year, but now he just needs to put whoever he can around for Marco, and he's going to have a fun team. But, man, so, so the Sonics take the Kings out in round one, and this is where if you're the Thunder, you threw away a year. The Thunder threw away a season, and they thought that the best course of action – was to not try and to potentially backdoor themselves into the lottery. Not only did that not happen, I think what I ended up as the seven seed and I took on the Warriors, also a seven game series. We'll get to that one. But if the Thunder keep marks, now I guess at the end of the day, the Thunder traded, the Thunder would have needed to probably keep Rugens. And now we see that Grzecki's in the deal and now Grzecki gets the bow. So maybe again, we can kind of look at how one thing leads to another. And that ends up never happening for the, for the Thunder. But um, if the Thunder would have just kept someone viable at center, could the Thunder have potentially made some noise? Because the Thunder took the, Thunder took the Warriors to seven games. Now, yeah, okay, the Thunder had Eris, and Eris still played a good chunk of minutes. I didn't have anybody who was defensive, and I was kind of like, hmm, let me see who's available on the transactions page. And there's Blade Callahan. Somebody had dropped Blade Callahan. I looked. I'm like, oh, he's got some defense. I was more intrigued by the fact that he at least had a reasonable rebounding number at 63, and he never took shots. So if I'm like, I can roll out a series here where I can maybe throw some defense at his wings, Pascal... He's, he's not going to bench Pascal I, I, in that series, I didn't think. So he kind of knew that I was going to run out Pang, and what could Pang do? So it was a really funny scenario where I'm like, if I could just get through the Warriors, again, the Thunder, you know, the, neither one of those teams, the Thunder or the Warriors, had to face the Kings until the conference finals. And that was huge, you know, because in round two, you get the winner of the Knicks and, and Nets. And then you have the other series. You just don't know what these teams are going to be. You don't know what the what the Blazers are going to be, the Suns. Um, why am I forgetting? Yeah. Uh, so it was like, hmm, wouldn't have to face the Kings till the conference finals. Crazier things have happened. And they did. So now look, I don't want to say that the Thunder could have theoretically made the finals. We get mad. We get completely housed by the Hornets anyways. But if the Thunder had some sort of resemblance of a front court, Without having to worry about the Kings, it it's potentially there. And, I mean, we took the Warriors to seven games as is. So if the Thunder were theoretically close enough to the Warriors and the Kings go down, if the Thunder escaped that series, the second, the, the second round would have been Thunder versus Knicks. And then, yes, it would have been it ended up being Thunder versus Sonics, but the Thunder most likely have an overall amount of firepower that, you know, whatever they do with Marco, I don't think it necessarily matters as much for that team. But you know what? It could have been the Sonics. If it's Thunder Sonics, the Sonics could have been in the finals. Wow. So the Sonics go on the run that the Bucks did the season before. And it's a team that really, again, should they be there? We don't know. But because of the defensive firepower of that team, the same way that the Bucks did it with Mario the season before, they get it done. Sonics upset the Kings and they find themselves in the conference finals. And it's like, I don't know how much time we need to talk about it. Like the Knicks, kudos to the Knicks. Andre gets his first playoff series win. He beats out the Heat. They was what, a game seven overtime win, it says it. So kudos to them. I guess they had the better seed, so they held serve. Uh, Would have been funny again if if the Heat kind of held on and the Heat kind of made a deep run with Bailey, who they held on to all season. 
But kudos to Andre gets a playoff series one, playoff series win. Now it has Andre thinking, hey, we could be fun with the Knicks now. The Blazers go on that fun run, the last sim, to boost them up into a 4-5 matchup with the Suns. And the Suns end up winning that series in Game 7. I forget who was the 4, who was the 5. Suns end up having a good playoff series for Myberg. Shocking, because he's probably in... Is he matched up against Turner? I have no idea. And then Myberg takes a bad hit steals-wise in the offseason. Not what you probably want if you're uh, if you're the Suns. So that takes a little bit of a hit. So the Suns beat the Blazers. The, the, the Sonics outlast the Suns. Like we said it, Suns never winning a title. They're never winning a title. They're worse than the Nets now. They're going to be worse than the Thunder now. Um, Suns are weird. I love Jalen Willis, man. I can't believe he traded Jalen Willis for Myberg. Zay really likes these guys. He falls in love with them. I thought Willis was a guy he was in love with. But he likes these weird guys, most likely with steals. Now, Garza got a little bit better. I guess Meshalunas got better. Clayton stayed the same. Now, again, Clayton is who he is, and I guess by the virtue of the fact that he was playing the Sonics in a series and the Blazers, the Blazers kind of, again, the Blazers went to more of a defensive team. Um, is that I feel like... The fuck, series, series talking about everything I'm talking about right now. Siri, go away. Siri on my watch, want to try to talk to me about playoffs. I got to do a time check right here. Getting off the highway real quick. We're at a 41-minute time check because you know what? In 20 minutes, it's going to cut off. I don't want to ramble for another 20 minutes and rest, miss the rest of this, but we're going to keep it in an hour because I think we're doing good here. So um, the Suns are, Suns are a mess. Omer gets that gets that victory, and then, and then the Warriors, I think, made kind of easy work of the Knicks. I mean, that makes sense. The Warriors are just a better overall team. We like that team. So we end up seeing the Warriors and the Hornets in the finals because, again, kudos to Crest. Crest outlasts the Celtics in round one. Um, LGC jumps in and jokes about making a depth chart when the playoffs were already over. I don't know what happened there. I really don't know what all um, the Celtics would have ended up doing to change that around. But you know what? If that's what happened, uh, karma, where the Pacers didn't do it last season and lost to the Bucks, but now get it done against the Celtics this year. Well, good, good job by them. And they make they get by the Celtics, and then the Pacers get through the Lions. Kudos to them. The Lions were my pick. That thus ending the Lions dynasty. You know, Ayers a free agent. Winters, yeah, it is, it's Winters, not Vincent. Uh, Winters is a free agent. We now see the exodus of of Bo and Silva and Rosado's probably next. You know, now the Lions are done. And you know, the Hornets make a uh, the, sorry, the Pacers make a fun run where we thought maybe he was gonna lose in round one. And that he survives the Celtics, and I guess he beat the Lions, and then he took the Hornets. I forget if that was a seven-game series or not. I feel like he was down 3-0. Was he down 3-0 and forced to game seven? I mean, in either case, huge effort. I think that might have even happened. He might have been down 3-0 and forced to game seven against the Hornets. So, you know, so kudos to Crest for, for doing work. You know what? Making, making the most out of a weird situation. I mean, they were on the verge and they're going to be, they're going to, they still have moves to make. Still a good, solid team. So kudos to them. And it ends up being the Hornets and the Warriors in the finals. And that is just right there. I mean, that's where you just see matchups. Pascal and Doyle is just a horrific matchup. What's he going to do? I mean, if he puts DeLui out there, now he's looking at, 
the the problem with the Warriors lineup, and again, we like that they have extra depth and stuff, is that he needs Pascal to score, and that when you have, when when you have Collins and um, he's got Tyler Rafaf at power forward and center, and he's not really getting scoring from those two guys, and he's got Shagur coming off the bench, who's a pretty bad offensive player, is that if you take Pascal out of the mix, you're just not going to have the scoring, and that's going to hurt. And he was able to bring Brook Brooks in, which is nice. But you still want to be able to get that scoring from Pascal. But, man, what are you going to do? Where are you going to put Pascal against the Hornets? And then you just have to hope your D holds up against um, your D holds up against Falwell. But then again, that's where Chow pays dividends is that Chow can be a defensive wing against the Warriors' defensive against the defensive wing. So the Warriors, if they're going to be better – probably need to figure out power forward and center in the sense that they're going to need a front court big. They're going to need somebody that can score in the front court moving forward instead of maybe all the backcourt scoring because then they theoretically become somewhat one-dimensional in the sense that um, if you can shut down their backcourt, you have an advantage. You know, and that's where we talk about the Hornets balance winning out. But whatever. I mean, the Warriors made the finals. You know, good run by SEDN. But again, moving forward, we're not quite sure. So, That's how the regular. That's how the playoffs happen, and then we have the off season. The Nets are now making moves. The Nets are going to be looking like a playoff team. Um, we have the draft tonight at seven thirty. Booyah! More fun. The KVBL never stops. So much turnaround now. I think we're going to have with with trades. And again, people know what. Where's air going to? Where's air going to land? Is that how much? Is that how much is that going to dictate? I think the biggest landing spot would be the Sonics because they have Marco. Um, that would be fun. I don't know who all has cap space who's really good. Um, you know, the Kings, are they going to try to be even better? Clearly they are. The, the Kings, I think, are going to add something. I feel, You can feel it. The Kings are going to try to be even better this season. And they got better in the offseason in sneaky spots. Um, that was good. Like, did Divine get some stuff? And Trogber got more stuff? Like, they might actually be better. And I think they're going to add... So the Maynard's going to be a mess. Kyle is now looking at, he's got all these picks. He's got what, the Sonics pick now? He's got the Clippers pick and the Suns pick. And he's trying to see who can miss the playoffs. And it's all doable now. It really just depends on who wants to be good. Do the Knicks want to be good? The Knicks have their pick. But if the Knicks want to be good, yeah, that's going to make things messy. We know the Nets are already making things messy. Um, The Hawks missed the playoffs last season. So if you're looking at it as everyone that made the playoffs, only the Heat, only the Heat want to be bad, they're, so they're going to back out. And the Thunder are going to be significantly improved. The Nets are going to be significantly improved. You know, what are, what's going to happen with the Blazers? The Blazers still have their makeshift team, but we saw that when they put it all together at the end of the season, I think turn um, Patton was a really nice ad that rounded out that team, but I think I don't know how much he got worse. But so long as they have Turner, he's super fun. And Chris Kevins. Kevin's is going to be a hot topic in the offseason because Kevin's is going to get paid. Kevin's is going to be huge for them to dictate whether or not he's good or bad. We're not sure. I, I feel like he's probably an auto match if he maxes him. And Ricky's going to want to see how this guy potentially is on, in the regular season. But, you know, the, the Blazers are still right there. Again, Ricky always wants to be compete. So assuming he misses the playoffs is pretty ignorant because he's going to always want to be there. So, you know, Kyle's just throwing darts and hoping that all these teams miss. And here we have a scenario where 
the Knicks, the Knicks kind of want to be good. Like Parsons got better. I Matthews did Matthews get a teeny bit better. White kind of stayed the same. Kowalski got better. Um, he's got some assets now where if he decides he wants to kind of be a buyer, they could be a better team. But they now remind me of the Suns where they have young talent that's good but not great. And then they have these extra guys around it. You know, again, I, on the Suns, I like the core of Granny, um, Granny Willis and Garza. And then he turned around and traded Willis for Myberg, who now I think is a little bit worse. Um, and he's got Archie who kind of stayed the same. So the Suns are kind of going to just be treadmilling. And I think the Lakers, I'm sorry, the Lakers, the, the Knicks, you know, the Knicks enable Dan to get that title by making that chow deal. And the Knicks could almost like, we talked about the Knicks potentially being losers. And this is how much things change so fast is that the Knicks could end up still somehow being a loser out of that deal because they could have just probably, again, if everyone stays the course and is bad, like the Bulls, if they just stay bad, and if the Knicks just stay bad, the Knicks just do what they're supposed to be doing. But you know what? The Knicks won a playoff series. You can't you can't fault them for that. If the Knicks want to be fun and want to be involved, Andre is very involved. Clearly 100, 200% more involved than Kay Farrell, Ender, whatever the fuck we want to call him was, involved. Um is if Andre wants to just just do what everyone else does and, and be frisky and be fine, great. I don't think that team's winning a title anytime soon. But if they just want to have fun and do the best that they can with what they got, go for it. Go for it. I think some of these assets have kind of fallen down a bit. But whatever. You know, like, you have Caro. You have Kowalski. You have Danville. Danville got better. So he's kind of in the same spot even as Jay where he's now got some young core pieces and wants to add vets. So we're going to be – the Maynard is going to be interesting. Like the Clippers, the Clippers youth movement, they have top picks now. Uh, The Clippers are technically – kind of on the outside in the sense but but like he traded his 40 he doesn't want to be bad so there's going to be teams that are definitely trying now probably missing the playoffs because enough teams now don't have their picks next season so the Maynard's going to be really fun and then the Landers is going to be kind of shitty we got the draft tonight that's going to start to dictate even more because we talked about a lot of the bad Landros teams have top picks so those teams are theoretically going to get better. Now, do you have someone like the Rockets? Like the Rockets were bad. I think they got like wholesale improvements to everybody. And they have it like a decent top pick. Like if the Rockets went out and signed air and they got those progressions and they get another guy here in the draft, they could make the playoffs. Why not? They have young talent. They have more than the Grizzlies. They have more than the Cavs. The Cavs are just like the freaking thunder now in the NBA, accumulating asset after asset all over the place, flipping stuff for this and that. They have like a dozen draft picks now. Shit talent on the roster at the moment, but a dozen draft picks. So they're having fun. We didn't even talk about the Wolves. The Wolves want to leverage the nine spot against the Cavs because the Wolves know they need a low usage point guard. Now, who knows what's going to happen in the draft? But yeah. In theory, Kyle needs the Wolves to make the playoffs to help his draft picks. So does Kyle collude with the Wolves to let that point guard slip? Kyle's going to take best player available anyways. So I don't know if it's that point guard. But I love the idea of Kyle taking that point guard and making the Wolves pay for it. it. (laughs) Apparently Kyle had already thought about it when I had mentioned that 
which I think is funny. But man, in the, in my mock draft, I had the the Wolves jumping up to nine and trading with Kyle because they need that point guard. Are like in in the landscape of what's going to happen next season? Yes, I would be remiss if I didn't note the fact that the Wolves still have their picks. If they wanted to miss the playoffs next season, they probably could. Now the Wolves are going to have to pick somebody at ten. Glenn got a little bit better. Luther looks like he finally got the 9 PD. You got to think that Luther's going to probably start at center next season. Mitch is at power forward. Glenn's at small forward. They're going to be able to use a pick on something. They probably take a guard. You know, does does Bedlam eventually get moved uh, for something? Is this just become his third big still? Like, can that Wolves team miss the playoffs again? I'm going to say yes, just because I think the defense is still kind of shitty. And it depends on what he does at point guard and shooting guard. If he doesn't want to try next year, he could miss again. But you know what? That's fine. I think overall, if he's going to miss again, it's because the team sucks. And does he want to keep ending up with the 10th pick? Or does he actually want to start trying? It's fine. It's whatever. But yeah, that team could miss the playoffs again. It, it, the path is there. The path is there if all these other teams want to try because he still has his picks and still has the weird, weirdness roster. Now, if Glenn makes a leap and somehow looks better, if Luther's D at center matters more over Bedlam and Bedlam slides back into the bench roll and he naturally adds a pick, I mean, like, again, I was I was backdooring myself out of the playoffs this past season, you know, ended up still making it. Like, if he starts Gospan at point guard, who was, like, just a passer pretty much similar defense to Dorset, he wins more games. Now, they really went south quick. Like, Stoltz could score but had shit defense, and his point guard took too many shots. So, yes, they have to figure out both point guard and shooting guard. If he literally gets one of those guys, you know, Ricky noted he could just get a balanced shooting guard that plays a little bit of D. Um, and, I mean, it could be one of these guys that passes a little bit, plays a little bit of D, um, scores a teeny bit, and then just gets somebody at the point guard who's not taking shots away from his other guys, the team should be fine. But if he wants to be bad, they could. So we got the draft tonight. What a really fun playoffs to cap off a crazy-ass season. The Kings get, Kings get knocked out in seven. Six game sevens in round one. I mean, round one was where it's at. And then it kind of just, then the, the Maynard seemed like it was kind of just the Warriors were the best team and the Warriors just outlasted everybody else, you know, to no surprise because we kind of looked at it as heading into the playoffs. There were just two teams. Now, I'm going to say this is that Ricky had mentioned, let's do like a playoff prediction thing. And I did not want to do that. And look, if people want to talk about us, like if you want to listen to us and all the things we talk about, like we've given so much content this year that like, sure, I'm sure some of it has helped some people get better. I'm sure some of it has helped people make good trades. Resultingly, it clearly has made people make some bad trades because we're always talking about value of where it's at at the moment, you know, and having to think things through. You always got to do what's best for you. Dan didn't listen to anybody. And at the end of the day, he didn't trade Lasecki. He kept Lasecki, traded the Nets pick now, which for him was huge. And this is what we talked about. We did talk about how bad could that Nets pick be? way back at the beginning of the year. He ends up with Chowski for it. And now the Knicks are going to make the playoffs. Or the Nets are going to make the playoffs. Dan, the biggest winner of all, gets a title and gets Chow. Chow took some hits, but he's still better than what Stales was. He's still going to go into next year as the favorites. 
The Hornets and the Kings are most likely going to be your favorites. And then it's going to be everybody else. But it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Um, oh, but I, I sorry. Oh, God, how did I forget? What was I talking about? I completely lost my train of thought. I'm trying to get this in under an hour. Um, oh, Ricky was talking about doing a playoff prediction thing. And, and honestly, it was one thing like, I don't think we're coaxing people into doing this or that. Like clearly enough people ask another enough people for advice. I do it myself. It's usually only a core set of people unless I really have to expand. You know, people like Kyle. Honestly, like a lot of times I know what Ricky's going to tell me. So sometimes I don't ask him for advice. A lot of times I think I bounce more stuff off Kyle because Kyle right now is tanking. He really isn't biased at all. And he obviously knows what a lot of stuff's going on, you know, but a lot of times I just do what I want. You know, I like to have fun too. If I just see something and I want to flip something, I just do it. You know, but a lot of times I do, I think, end up bouncing stuff off him. Um, But one of the things I didn't want to do was do a playoff prediction thing. I think it was completely unnecessary. Like, we could go in and we could talk about matchups and what might happen, et cetera, et cetera. But you know what? Like, I don't, it's not, like, I think when it comes to setting a depth chart, like, do we need to remind LGC with a fucking podcast to go in there and set a depth chart? No. The playoffs matter. The regular season, all this stuff, like, you know, did, did somehow any of this help Chow get on the gun on the Hornets? Fine. Okay. Whatever. You know, and we criticize people for not doing this and not doing that. And then look, that's all fun. But at the end of the day, we're not going to, I don't want to influence anybody on doing anything when it comes to things like setting lineups and looking at it as like, we just talk about the Warriors, you know, like the Warriors maybe have a little bit of a weak front court. And is that going to be a problem moving forward? Well, it's one thing about talking about the overall look of the team now that they've lost in the finals, but do we want to talk about attacking this position in the playoffs and matching up against this guy or something that somebody sneaky could move, you know, like, like again, like I knew I was, I had Blake Callahan, like that was kind of sneaky. Nobody knew I had that. Everybody knew I had, everybody was going to think I had shit centers. You know, when people have guys that they can move around, like if, if somehow I'm seeing something that someone isn't, or if they're seeing something that I'm blatantly not like, I don't want to have any sort of influence on that. Like when it comes to the playoffs, like I'll help somebody like Andre said his depth chart, but it's like, that's on, that's on everybody. You know, like there are some GMs who clearly are really good about setting depth charts as opposed to others. Omer, obviously, whatever the hell he did with that fucking Sonics team, jackpot. Took out the Kings, almost made the finals with that team. All credit goes to that. But do we need to be discussing about what he may or may not do and then have someone be like, oh, I didn't think about that. And then they they somehow switch it the other way or whatnot. Like, look, if we're going to end up talking about whatever everybody else is already doing, fine. But there's no there's no point in giving anybody some sort of helpful hint, in my opinion, that could steer them in the in either the right or wrong direction. Trades, shit like that. I mean, look, everybody's going to ask people for advice. That's fine. But at the end of the day, when it comes to the playoffs, you either got to win or lose. You got to set your depth chart. You got to do what you think's right for your team. I want zero impact on that zero impact especially in a broad a broad podcast setting you know it's like certain people like to do certain things and that's when like when it comes down to winning like we don't need to talk about 
everything on these podcasts. I mean, come on. It's like when you're a people, if anyone knows about daily fantasy, you know, you got these people out there giving advice on plays, but it's like, does somebody need to give out advice on their plays, you know, potential ownership of said plays, how much percent they're going to play on them, how they're going to hedge. Like, no, this guy's maybe a good play. This guy's not. And it's like, but do they need to give out all of the information? No. And look, does any of it matter? No. You know, we all said that probably the, the, the Hornets could win the title, but at the same time, if they got chow, but we also said that I'm a jackass. Don't fucking listen to me. We're brought down to five seconds. Awesome podcast. Awesome season. I love you all. Peace.